Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. It is episode 339 and I am here with Nathaniel Clanton. And Nathaniel is in the Portland area, so if you're in Portland, you should check him. You should, no matter where you are, you're going to want to connect with him. But for those of you, I know there's some Portland people here, so it's always nice to kind of be able to, not that you can meet in real life, but you could later, hopefully in the end of the summer. And so we're going to get started. One of the things I met Nathaniel through our mutual friend, Dustin, Dustin Lee, and we have had, we've just been great friends ever since. And we Marco Polo back and forth. That's really how we got to know each other. Yep. And then we had some calls, right? Yep. And one of the things you have such joy that you bring, and I know things haven't always been perfect. You now have a seven week old child, right? And an yeah. 18 month old son, oh, yeah. right? Two under two. Yeah. That's a, a lot of diapers when you can't <laughs> go to the store every day, right? Or you that's can't right. go on, you're not supposed to go outside or, or whatever, right? Yep. So yep. there's lots of challenges. And I think that that's always been something that I've been impressed with you about is that you're always everybody always has challenges. You're willing to yeah. share those challenges, which I think is really bold, but then you're also, you have a really positive mindset. No matter what is coming your way, you know, you're, everything's going to be okay, which is a perfect for this Thank time you. of yeah. what we're, we're going through. So I'm going to get you to give a little bit of your background, sure. tell about um, how you came into design and when you started owning your own business. Yeah. Yeah. Just real quick. People, whenever I have people tell me, oh, you know, you're always so positive. I just say, well, consider the alternative, which is being negative and that's not very attractive. So, um, so I, I'm from the Portland area. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. I'm one of the few people who's like actually a native. There's been so many people moving here uh, in the last five to eight years. It's just blown up. And, uh, my, uh, my, dad was a sign painter and mural painter for 20 something years so the creative you know genes are in there we've got a lot of creative people in our family too but i grew up like helping him you know do signs for clients or we'd go on jobs we ride in his van <clears throat> in his van and uh i originally um wanted to be an architect not a designer i didn't know that i wanted to be a designer and i didn't even know that it was a thing um but I figured, oh, I'm good at math and I like art, you know? So that's kind of like a combination of those two things, you know? Um, and I actually went to school for architecture in high school for two years. I went to a, a polytechnic school and, and studied it my junior and senior year. But throughout uh, middle school and high school, I was really into hip hop culture. Um, I had a lot of friends that were, you know, MCs or, or people that did break dancing. And, but my thing was like, I love graffiti art. I never, went out and vandalized, but I loved it as an art form. And so I would sketch and, and draw and uh, I had my sketchbook and, and I would spend you know, just hours making these pieces of art. But I had heard about a lot of people who used to be graffiti artists becoming designers at some point, because it's basically typography, you know, but just like abstract typography. Uh, and I had a friend who was kind of like an older brother kind of a figure respected him a lot he's just really cool we had really really close and he was a designer and um around my senior year uh, of high school i was deciding like what what do i want to do what do i want to go to school for i didn't really like architecture as much i was good at it but it to me it didn't have the versatility that i was looking for in terms of creative expression right mm -hmm. 
And so I went and visited uh, him at his work. At the time, he was working at Adidas as a, as a designer. And I was like, man, this is so cool. And so I decided to go for design. Um, I went to the Art Institute in Portland, which is no longer open, sadly. Rest in peace. Um, at, like not at all? Or not just at now? all. I don't even know if the one in Seattle is open right now. Uh, it's, yeah, crazy. But that was a, it was a great school. And uh, yeah, studied design there. And it was hardcore, man. I just hit it, you know, super. Uh, I was just really, really dedicated to learning the craft and learning what I needed to, to be able to go into this world. But I started working with clients in college. So when I graduated, the majority of the work in my portfolio was real life client work, which was really cool and a really cool experience. But it means I started my entrepreneurial journey like the summer after high school. Mm. So I've been designing for this next year will be 15 years, which is crazy uh, that it's really gone that, that long. Um, but uh, so I've already always kind of had this entrepreneurial bug with my dad being an entrepreneur and a creative entrepreneur. And then I did that throughout college and then following college uh, had like an internship. And then I went, um, worked at Nike for a season. Um, then I worked at a design firm in town um, for a year or so. And then uh, uh, since, since leaving then that place, I, mostly went solo. I've had a few stints where I've done like long-term contracts, but I've been independent for, you know, since 2011 to, and just working with my own clients. I picked up clients that I had been working with throughout the years, but then I just had enough work to be a hundred percent, you know, self-sustaining. Uh, so since then I've got to work on a lot of really cool projects. Um, I, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's really, I'm really fortunate. Uh, so I've got to do work with like Xbox and Microsoft and, and uh, Nike and Adidas. Um, some uh, big names there, buddy. Yeah, some big names. Really just, I mean, the, you know, the, there's some logos up on my website, but it's really cool. Like I feel really, really humbled to get to do that. Um, and what it's done for me is given me a lot of perspective on, uh, on, what it means to be a designer, what it means to be an entrepreneur and the significance of our work, which we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. um, and about four years ago, actually exactly four years ago, it was a leap year. I launched uh, my other business called Front Runners. And Front Runners is the combination of all the things that I'm passionate about that I never really had a name for what this thing was. I'm like, man, like I, I, there's probably a lot of people out there that could relate to this. You're a multi-passionate person and you feel like you have to pick one. Mm. But I didn't really want to pick just one because I love teaching. I love learning. I love creating. I love writing. I love all these different things. I love personal development and entrepreneurship. And I love sharing that with people. And so I hadn't really seen a picture of that uh, that matched what I wanted to do. And I had to kind of create my own thing. So I brought all those things under this umbrella with this, this idea of frontrunners, which is blazing your own trail into your own unique uh, calling, your own unique passion. So I launched that, started out as just a blog and has since grown into doing podcasts, doing workshops, doing online courses, um, 
for who? So books. who is who is front yeah. runners for? So if you were trying to, if some of these people want to know, ah, oh, should I click that? Like who, who do you write to? Who sure. do you who? What kind of problems are you solving with front runners? Yeah. So front runners is really, uh, in its essence, a place to encourage, equip, and empower creative entrepreneurs, and those people specifically, because I think that. There's something unique about being an entrepreneur that develops you inside your soul, mm. unlike almost anything else, except for maybe being a parent. <laughs> uh, because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, your livelihood is connected to your ability to be creative and to manage your, your, your mindset and your mental health. And all these different facets of your life are connected to being an entrepreneur. And so- That sounds like a great book. The, I know, the connections right? of- um, being a parent and being an entrepreneur. I'm actually going to write a blog post on that. When Sounds I like a book time. to me, buddy. Sounds yeah. longer hey. than a blog All post. right. You know, there's a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. It, because you're right. There is a whole thing about mindset and how yeah. we talk to ourselves. You know, we say, oh, should, that, should I be doing this? But hello, you had a kid. You didn't know how to do that either. Oh, you're man. just rolling with yep. it, right? So sometimes yep. you just have to lean in. Not that I have yeah. a kid because I don't, but I can imagine what it's yeah. like for those people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's for, it's specifically for creative entrepreneurs, but there's a lot in there that is relevant and applicable to anybody that has something that they feel like is inside of them that needs to come out and be expressed and, and be brought to life. And you're running into obstacles along your journey. You don't necessarily know how to get there, or you just need some companionship like in your journey. And uh, mm -hmm. I always like to tell people, like, I'm stoked to run with you. I, mm -hmm. I ran track in, in high school four years. And it's so nice to have someone run alongside of you, mm -hmm. especially when you're pushing your limit. Because when you're, when you're stretching your limit and you're going faster than you've ever gone, or you, you're going further than you've ever gone before, when you have a partner with you, then you can push each other and you, you can go back and forth and you can actually stretch your capacity further than if you were on your own. So it's for people that need a running buddy in life for their creative journey, their entrepreneurial journey, their personal journey. But the, the kind of core is these creative entrepreneurs because of, you know, the, the result of, of being one develops you in a really unique way. And I'm just, I love that. I'm very passionate about those people. And I like to say that I knew that it was those people from the get go, but I didn't know that. And so I just, I want to encourage other people that are starting something you don't have to know who your people are yet i'm still figuring out who my people are but i know that my people are are a lot like me but just earlier in the process and so if that's all the clarity that i've had to go on i've just used that as a starting point and then i've i've built that and i've grown and as i've experimented with different things i've kind of honed in on who do i want to talk to specifically yeah Okay, so let's get into that. So one of the things, being an entrepreneur or being even a dad, right? You go through an experiment. You have yes. to figure out what shoes fit the best for the run that you're on, right? Yeah. yeah. So you try, you're regularly trying new things in your business. You've yeah. made courses. You've made written a book. You've done coaching, um, yeah. writing, creating products. So how do you address, how do you determine what's working? Yeah, well, you have to have real personal data, right? You can't use secondhand data because your 
the thing that you're meant to do is for you, right? And it's going to work for you in a way that's unique to you. And I think that we can use knowledge and data and information from other people's experience as a starting point. But ultimately, if what your goal is, is to build a life or a business that is fulfilling to you, you have to find out what your unique kind of recipe is, you know, to support that. So all of these different things, you know, I've tried all these different things in an attempt to get clarity, right? Mm -hmm. And if you kind of view it as that, that your future doesn't ride on these experiments, but these experiments allow you to adapt and adjust the course of your path to, to get more honed in on what you truly want, what you truly love and what you don't want and what you don't love. Right. So and, are you, are yeah. you like regularly taking like a, a litmus test, litmus test of like how you feel about certain things? Like when you finish a project, right. do you say, you know what, this one really, I want to get more clients like this, or I do want to do more projects like this because yeah. is it just really based on feeling then? Or is it uh, like when you're doing different blog posts, do sure. you track that success? And what, what is success for a blog post? Yeah. I'm a big numbers guy. I do love numbers, um, but it's a combination of, of the data and your gut. Mm. You know, I feel like you can't, it's not mutually exclusive, the emotional part and the head part of, of pursuing your passion and your business, right? So you have to take both of those things into account. So for me, um, it, part of it, like for a blog post, for example, I need to create from a place that is authentic to me what I feel like needs to be said to the world. And a lot of times, almost all the time, it's I'm sharing things that I'm actively learning. And my hope is that if I'm going through this and I'm thinking about these things and this lesson helped me, then there is at least one other person out there that this is going to help. And it's not for everyone, but it is for someone. So I'm going to write it for that someone, right? Mm. And so it has to be authentic to me, to my journey. So I'm not just creating what I think people will need or want. I'm trusting that if this is something that was valuable to me, that it, there are other people like me out there. And if I'm putting it out there, then those people will eventually find it. Right. So then um, yeah. do you track it some way if you're a numbers guy? Yeah. So you yeah, yeah. put it out there, you make yep. sure that it's authentic. So the feeling is there, yep. right? So that yep. you've checked off. Did I do that? But then how, what does success for like a blog post look sure. like to you? Yeah. So on the number side of things, um, it, I, I look at the statistics, I run my site off Squarespace, there's analytics, there's Google analytics. Uh, so you can see what is resonating with people because something might resonate with you, but like just you. And then there might be something that is a lot more universal that a lot of people are going for, you know? So I'll look at what are the most read posts on my site. A lot of times I'm surprised because I think that people want to learn here's 20 tips on how to be a creative entrepreneur. And while that knowledge is valuable, some of the things that people are coming to the most is like how to keep going when you don't have the strength mm. or how to deal with people that rub you the wrong way, like things that are emotional or things that are heart level. And I think that it's, it's different for everybody, but a lot of times that's why people are coming to me um, is because mm. I believe I write in a way that is encouraging. I, I love encouraging people. I love 
coming alongside somebody that maybe feels like they don't have what it takes or they're dealing with doubts or they're dealing with obstacles. And I want to share things that I'm currently failing at, things that I'm currently afraid of, but not stopping there, going beyond that to say, you know, there is hope, there is a way to go beyond that. And I think that um, as entrepreneurs, we don't just need tips and tactics and strategies. We need encouragement, you know? Right. But the thing is, is that you're relatable, right? It's not that you're just giving encouragement. Oh, good job on that. I've never played tennis, but good job. Right. It's, it's, I'm there. I've been there. This is what it was like. So you're being vulnerable. You're being relatable and you're being encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And your, the advice that you give and, and you're, encouragement or whatever that can't be secondhand it has to be firsthand Mm. you have to share about things that you have walked through personally and you have gone through personally or you are currently going through it's actually even better if you're sharing with stuff that you're currently going through um i heard someone i believe was jasmine star talked about gold plating your grit or it might be a, a gal named Brooke Castillo gold plating your grit which is where you wait till after you're through something then talk about it right? Because then you can see the lessons and then you can see, oh, you know, like I'm good now. Like I, you know, I failed so big, but now look how successful I am in the face of it. But I think that that is great. I love success stories and testimonials. It's so great. But the thing that makes me love following someone else is when they are in the mess and they share about the mess while they're in the mess. So I try to do that. And I think that um, when I'm looking at the numbers, go back to your question, those are the things that end up resonating with people the most, right? And so I say, okay, I'm going to try to do more of that. I'm still going to do these other things because I feel like they're relevant and I just love talking about them. I love writing about them, but I need to give people what people are coming to me for, right? Mm. And so it takes a little bit of um, humility, right? To not pretend like I know all the answers. But, you know, if I'm trying to sell apples, but people are coming to me for oranges, I need to give them oranges. You know, if I'm trying to say, here's some tips and, ta- you know, tips and tactics and strategies, but people are like, hey, man, like my heart is hurting. Mm-hmm. And I really loved this thing that you wrote because it spoke to me and it helped me like in a deep level. Then, I, you know, I, I'm deeply passionate about that. And it still is helping people in their businesses because in your mental health and your emotional health and your vision is aligned, then you're going to be a better business person. You're going to be a better creative person. So, and Andre says, um, Caetano, he says it makes you more trustworthy if it's yeah. from your experience. So it is good. Yeah. It is really important. So when you're talking, so I don't think, I think you're naturally a writer, right? I mean, a lot yeah, of us are not, but so you, much. you write a lot. I so do. that's never something that you're going to let go. So, but when do you know if you're trying something and you, it's been tracked, but maybe it takes a little bit more time or it takes yeah. more energy, like when you make a course or something like this. So when do you decide to let it go? When you say, Hey, you know what? I'm not gonna, um, do that anymore because it's not tracking or it's not creating yeah. any traction. And it was a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of maybe yeah. money put in. When, when do you decide to let it go? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that uh, it's, I like this um, little, this little uh, belief, which is do as much as you can with as little as you can for as long as you can. Mm. And I think that at the heart of that is you're removing obstacles for yourself to actually bring things to life. 
So there are some things that will require a great deal of investment of time and energy, right? And, and money sometimes. And creating a course is certainly one of those things because it is no joke to create an online course. It's no joke to take years of your experience and your knowledge and to condense that in a way that's digestible for people, right? Um, so I don't just do those things all the time, right? So you have to first like know what you're getting into and then have like this, the mindset that, okay, I'm going to do this hard thing for a period of time. And then once it's done, I'm going to evaluate, like, is this sustainable for me to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, or is this something maybe I do less often? Mm. And maybe there's other things that I can do more often that are more sustainable. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that's helped me kind of evaluate in terms of that's things like, yeah. That's really difficult as an entrepreneur because we're always having to try new things. And then yeah. we have to see, is this sustainable? Is it bringing in enough, um, you know, income? Right. Is that income stream? Because really it's about having multiple things that we're right. doing to bring in income. Okay. I didn't mean right. to cut you off. Yeah. So, I mean, you do, you do have to evaluate, like, is this making money? Like, are, like, are, like if we're talking in the context of a business, like, are people buying this? You know, that's important because if they're not, then there's a reason. That doesn't mean you have to throw that thing out, but it does mean that you need to evaluate maybe why, right? And maybe you need to reposition that thing that you tried, right? Because I believe that if you've invested your heart and your soul and time into something, there is value there, but maybe you're disconnecting with who you're talking mm. to, right? So I, I wrote a book, um, I want to say it's been three years now. I wrote a book called Step Zero, which is about overcoming your internal obstacles that keep you from getting to success, right? And the idea behind it is that some people take their entire life to get to step one of mm. their dream and they're stuck on that step zero. They're stuck on the ground floor. So if we can, if I can help them get from step one to step zero or step zero to step one, then they can take that process and repeat that infinitely to get to new levels of their life, right? So originally when I launched it, it was for everybody. And, uh, and it did pretty well there was a lot of people who really loved it, but I noticed that uh, it wasn't really accomplishing what I thought that it should, right? Uh, and I noticed, I looked at the people that were writing longer testimonials. I looked at the people that were reaching out to me and saying, hey, like this really helped me. And I looked for common threads in those people and it helped me. This, is, this was one of the exercises that actually helped me kind of hone in on I think I want to talk to creative entrepreneurs. Like hmm. while this is relevant, like these are the people that are relating to it even more. And that's probably because that's where I'm coming from. And so I can speak to that in a unique way. Um, but those were a lot of the people that were coming to me and, and responding to this thing. And so when I relaunched it again in the future, I specifically spoke to those people hmm. in, instead of everybody. And so it's this kind of repeating process of evaluating of you're like, you're casting your net out there, you cast it wide. And then when you pull back in, you see what fish are in the net, you know, and then and you like can kind sifting of, out, right? Yeah. Take, you know, throwing the little fish back in so they can keep getting bigger, but taking the ones that are ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really cool is when you do that testing and then evaluating and testing and evaluating, each time you do it, you get better at speaking to those people that you care the most about. Um, and our buddy Dustin talks about that all the time. He, when he was on my podcast, uh, 
you know, I was asking him about the like common traits of people who are successful. And he said, it's those people that aren't afraid to, to try and retry and retry and retry over and over. Cause you understand that that's part of the process. Whereas I think that a lot of the times we get hung up on the first time that we're doing something and we put so much pressure and so much weight, right. On this first time mm-hmm. that it stops us from doing it a lot of the time. And we don't even bring it to life first and foremost, or the second, the second kind of problem we run into is we try it and then we use those, like that information as like the end all be all results of what this thing could possibly be. Whereas that was just like round one, right? Mm-hmm. That was like version 1.0 and maybe it's going to finally like break through on version 7.0, right? And so we have to have that mindset of, of that continual progress. So, but then it comes into the the realm of the mindset, right? And the conversations yeah. that you're having with yourself. Yeah. Because if not enough people are buying it, yeah. then then the the set the thing you're saying to yourself, maybe not you, but thing I say to myself is you're no good. Nobody right. believes you. Why would they buy this? Or why would they yeah. right? But yeah. that it's just that you haven't talked to the right fish, right? Yes. You yeah. just you but you gotta keep getting putting yourself yeah. out there. And I think it's kind of like um, I don't know if you really want to ride a bike, you know, you, you don't just get up and go like, I'm going to, to the tour de France or whatever, right? <laughs> uh, France, I'm sure is how they say it, but I'm going to call it my Alabama accent, <laughs> France. So nobody does that. Right. But we go and we fall and we get back up and we fall. But yeah. what we want, what we wanted as a kid was to be able to play with our friends on their right. bikes. Right. right. And really it was, it was that you wanted to go to Jennifer's house or you wanted to go, you know, like you wanted to get somewhere and this was a tool for it, but it was also fun to race. And that's what business is too. But I think in my head, I have gotten, when I've released things, it gets real raw, real quick. Right. So, so having, I love that you have the gut check, like, Mm -hmm. am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Even if it's hard, even if, mm-hmm. if I don't reach the right fish, am I going to stop? So somebody told me about podcasting. They said, um, you need to make a five-year commitment. And this was mm-hmm. right in the beginning for me. And so to me, this, um, I'm glad I'm the godmother. Good job, Dustin. I'm absolutely happy to <laughs> take them on. So, but think about like, if I, um, Bookers, man, I hadn't taken my ADHD medicine this afternoon. I can't remember what I was Yeah, saying. you were talking about when you started podcasting, oh, five-year yeah. commitment. Yeah. So the guy was like, and he wasn't just talking to me, but I felt like he was talking to me. And I said, okay, well, you know, can I do a five-year commitment? And I remember my mom was there. She's here. Hey, mom. It was me and I'm not going to say which aunt and uncle, but we were at a restaurant in Livonia with this aunt and uncle. And the aunt said why are you doing that? Who's making you do this? And I'm like, making me? What do you mean? Make? <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, I mean, Amy Lyons, I think probably has been here the most times. Like she gets the winner award for the most attended design recharges. I could go back and see when she signed up. And I think it was 2013 or maybe 2012 is that she wow. signed up on my list. And so that's a OG. lot of me and Amy have been together a long time. And, you know, to be yeah. honest, a lot of people in here, are, I mean, I know you because yeah. we've talked and we have, I feel like I have a relationship. Now, when you're just listening, and I don't know, you have to email me or something so that I know that you're listening. I so appreciate it. But 
you know, it was never about numbers to me, but had I come and no one showed up, it would have been crushing, you know? So I, Amy, you have no idea how much you just showing up made a difference to me to be able to keep going. Right. So sometimes there are numbers, but I never went back and did numbers. I know Dustin and I have talked about this too, but I just, I still don't even know how many people download the podcast per week. Like, I think I should probably care about that, but I just don't. Yeah. To me, it's y'all that showed up today. And I'm here for y'all. Even, you know, there's 18 people. Like, I'm here for those 18 people live today. My mom always asked me at the end, she's like, well, how many people showed up? You know, and sometimes there's there's been 70 people. There's, you know, it just, you never know. But I know that there are other people that download it. Uh, and sometimes I need that extra encouragement. But yeah. for you, for how, did you have to make, I mean, I think with the entrepreneurship you do, you have to make a commitment to the business for a certain number of years, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that at the heart of all of that, even deeper than than making a commitment is is where does our identity lie, mm-hmm. right? Because we only get devastated by these experiments and by these you know forays into something new when our identity is tied to that thing, which is really hard. It's really hard to not do that because you invest so much into it, right? And so you're spending, you know, dozens, maybe even hundreds of hours creating something. Uh, and you're, you're putting in your experiences and, and your emotions, and all these things. And so you put all this stuff in, uh, but it's kind of like the old adage, like kill your darlings, right? Mm. You have to be willing to sacrifice like the single thing uh, uh, in, in, at the expense of like the entire vision, right? Your whole vision is the more important thing. Why did you start this thing in the first place? And what does that do for you as a person? Mm -hmm. So uh, I experience those anxieties every single time I try something new. And I think that's a really good thing because I think that for the most part, we avoid those feelings like the plague as much as we can our entire lives but that doesn't develop the strength that we need to accomplish the kind of dreams that a lot of us have. Right. That's that muscle we need to stretch, right? That, that uncomfort when you're there, think about what it is and then lean in. Yes. And we have to do that over and over. And uh, I, I think that, yeah, when we have that mindset of where does my identity lie, it gives us the strength to be able to overcome, uh, comparison or, um, having unmet expectations, right? So one example is when I wrote my book, uh, my, my definition of success, which I think it's important that we set that in advance before we cross like a finish line or whatever. My definition of success for it was that I finished it because it was more important mm-hmm. that I did that for myself to say, I am an author because I wrote a book, not because someone else told me that I'm an author, not because it got any level of acknowledgement or it sold a certain amount of copies. For me, that's what it meant for me. And I set that in advance. So where when I finished it and I launched it, I was like, dude, anything else beyond this is icing on the cake, right? Mm-hmm. And setting those kinds of healthy expectations and healthy goals is really good. I think that once we kind of start to establish mastery, then there's different like levels, right? Like once you're like, okay, I've done live webinars 150 times. Now I'm going to start to think about how can I like maximize this, you know? 
but at the same time, I like, like you said, default to, we have to have grace on ourselves in that process. And we have to come back to the heart of what we're doing and be able to distinguish between, you know, am I focusing on the heart of what I'm doing or just like a part of what I'm doing, just a facet of what I'm doing? Am I losing my mind over, you know, these stats? Am I losing my mind over, this has to be the best podcast in the world. This has to be the best online course in the world, the best book or, you know, best workshop in the world. Like that's where you get, you, you lose your vision and you're thinking about the branches. You're thinking about all these things that like are meant to support your vision, but we have to focus on the heart of the vision. Like, why did I do this in the first place? Okay. So, so I love this. I love, yeah. love, love this. Okay. So I have, I mean, if you people have ever listened to it on uh, you, uh, whatever, on YouTube even, or oh, on, on pod, wherever you get your podcast, I'm not, don't really edit. And for many, many years, I didn't edit anything. It just went from here, bloop, I just put, put it straight up. So it was never about making it perfect because I just felt the content was really good. But then I also realized that so many of my friends had these super polished, right? And it does, it made it, so it had to do with value. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be devalued. And I'm going to go back to what uh, Lara Beauparlant said a couple weeks ago. There's her little book that you can't read because it's too uh, bright. Um, but she talked about this cake decorator and the cake decorator kept getting these calls. Hey, well, can you make a cake for us? And we got $30. And her lowest price was $400. So her value wasn't being represented. And so I felt, okay, well, I needed to get a better mic and I need, and I hired somebody now and he does my editing. It's still not like all the ums aren't gone or whatever, yeah. but I, I feel like I'm, it's, I'm trying to be a little bit better because I think that that perfection is, is the biggest stealer of helping other people. Because yes. if you have to make it to be perfect, oh, I've got to edit it. I've got to do this. I've got, it is the, it is what is failure to launch, right? Yeah. yeah. But it is the steal. It is what it steals. Is. If you love helping people, the quicker you can get your thing out there, even if it's not perfect. And I think Dustin has great, he did a beta for the passive income for designers and, and even with a product, right? They might uh, produce a product and then they revise it and refine it and then do an update instead of just waiting till it's absolutely perfect. It is. So Paul says perfection depends on the intended target. Yes. Mm. And if, if I, what perf perfect is to me could have helped. So I think about this with Dustin, if he was holding in, Oh, sorry about the fuzziness. Um, if he was holding I need to be still, it's really difficult for me. If he was holding in, it's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be perfect with those people. I know Amy took the course. If Amy, Amy needed it right now, Amy needed yeah. to get passive income right then when he yeah. launched it. So if he waited another year and a half, he was holding back income that he could have helped Amy generate for Amy. And I just think that that is, it's powerful when you think that your perfectionism is holding somebody else back from doing yeah. what you're trying to get them to do. And yeah. so I think that I, I love, so I want you to dig in a little bit more about what okay. the heart is. So sure. what is the difference between the gut and the heart? Yeah. So you're real quick. You're reminding me of a quote that a friend told me once that someone is always waiting on the other side of your obedience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a level of accountability that we have when, when we have a, a vision or a dream or a passion inside of us, it is meant to be for more people than just us. Right. That's why we call it a gift. It's a gift to us to enrich our lives and fulfill us, but it's also a gift to other people. Right. So I, 
you probably feel this way. I feel a certain level of responsibility that if there's something that I've been given or some kind of level of understanding or knowledge or, or whatever, that I want to share that with somebody else. Right. And, uh, and perfection, you're right, can really steal that. And, uh, another quote, I believe this is also by a guy named Brooke Castillo said B minus work can change the world. Yeah. Right. And if we have that mindset that the, the imperfect, the imperfection actually is, is more powerful than perfection. Imperfection is not, or perfection is not relatable, but imperfection is, but we feel like we need to be perfect in order to be credible. Right. But really it's, it's our, our authenticity that makes us credible, not perfection. Perfection actually creates too big of a gap between us and the people that we want to reach. Right. Mm. And so, yeah, like if we sharing about the mountaintops, right. We're sharing, here's, you know, here's how great I am. Here's all the, like, you know, the wins that I've had, but the people that we want to reach are down here in the Valley. Imagine how big of a jump that is for them to try to connect with you. It's too big. Right. And so when we think that we have to be perfect, we have to be, I, I don't know. I think about credibility a lot, right? My whole job as a designer is to make brands look amazing and perfect and polished and, and dialed in. So when I think about myself, I like default to that, right? And I think perfectionism can be that for us. It can be a mask, right? But it ends up being a mask between us and the people that we want to reach most. And we're like, how come I can't connect with them? but we have to bring that authenticity in. So this, I think, connects to what we're talking about, which is the heart. We have to, to know our why, right? Like Simon Sinek started talking about, start with why, start with the reason why you're doing it. And I think we also have to continue to come back to the reason why we're doing it. At the beginning of last year, I, I felt like, uh, um, you know, if I don't gain any more subscribers this whole year, I want to focus on taking care of the subscribers that I currently have. And that is going to be my goal for this year. And then at the beginning of this year, I looked back on last year and I said, you know what, last year I focused a lot on the business side of front runners, but this year I want to focus more on the human side of it. I want to focus more on the people. Right. And I, I had, a, I did a lot of different experiments, a lot of different like things like I made the huge, a huge online course. I did lots of blog posts. I launched a podcast, like did all these different things, which are branches. There's a reason why I did those things, but it's to support this heart of like encouraging, equipping and empowering people. And there's even some things that I stripped away and I, and I took away because I felt like it was creating uh, too many steps for me. And it was, it was making me not feel motivated and just making me not love what I was doing. And I think that if we're an entrepreneur, we start a business, it's because we love it, right? Mm. So if we ever get to a point where we stop loving it, we need to go, er, okay, hit the brakes. Let's look at the dashboard. What lights are flashing right now that I haven't been taking care of, you know? And for me, I felt like I was kind of getting lost in tactics and strategies. You know, mm. I was, I was over analyzing and I was trying to lay out a perfect plan for how to like do certain things. And I had expectations on my business, for me, one of them, just for to be totally real, was I need to make a certain amount through front owners that is sustainable and, and, and passive income before my baby gets here so that I can oh. provide my family with a certain life. And I actually felt that way at the first with our first kid too. And I felt like a total failure when our son was born. So I was like, ah, like I wanted to achieve freedom for us and I didn't make it. But then for this, this, this second time, 
I, I came to the realization, like, you know, like the things I care most about providing to my family, I can already give them right now because they're not money and it's not like material things. It's me being a great dad. It's me being a great husband, being uh, present, like these intangible things. And so by that measure, I'm already being successful. By that measure, I'm already checking that box on my number one priority. And so I had to kind of evaluate, why am I doing front runners? And I, that process allowed me to take the pressure off of front runners to say, this doesn't have to be, you know, this huge thing within a certain window of time. I was like squeezing my dream, squeezing my passion, saying, you have to accomplish this in this period of time. Otherwise, something really bad's going to happen or I'm not being successful. But when I lifted that off and I said, you know what? Like I started this because I loved hearing people's stories. I loved telling stories. Mm -hmm. I loved shortening the learning curve for people. I loved hearing, uh, getting emails, people saying, this really helped me through depression. Or Mm -hmm. like when we were on a phone call earlier last week, I told you one of my dad's close friends has been friends with him for like 30 years, was literally dealing with suicide like this last week. And he messaged my dad uh, this last weekend and he told him that somehow or other he stumbled upon my site and he just read like eight or nine blog posts and it like brought him to tears. And he said it really, really helped him. And, uh, and, and he was like, I just, you know, he told my dad. So he forwarded him a message and he said, I just, you know, want you to know, like, he's like, I don't know if you ever considered being a, you know, a motivational speaker or something like that. He's like, but I got this picture of you in front of people. And uh, that was so special. Like, oh my gosh, you compare that to selling like 10,000 of something or, you know, having a hundred people on a webinar or whatever. Like it is so insignificant by comparison to hear like something that I wrote out of my own brokenness could help somebody who was, you know, in a broken place themselves. And that's not even the only story about that, uh, that, you know, that we have from, from front runners. And so I, I think about that stuff. I think about the humans, right? The people that those numbers represent and that helps me get back to the heart level. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So I've got, I do have some stuff too. I got a couple more practical, tactical things that I could share too. Okay, well, to share them. Yeah. So how do you know if something that you're doing is, is connected to the heart of what you're doing versus just a part of what you're meant to do? Is it just a branch? Is it just a facet? I think the first thing is it has to have a direct impact on people at a heart level, right? In order for us to really experience fulfillment, we have to do something that reaches people's hearts. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to do something well, I believe. At least not for me. Um, I've had the privilege of doing a lot of great work for a lot of great companies, but when it's all said and done, what have I accomplished? I've sold a shoe. I've sold a video game. I I got someone to buy a product of some sort or a service, right? These are things that are very fleeting and not that Mm. important in the grand scheme of things. And I had this understanding like a long time ago said, man, rather than, you know, as, as cool as it is to have, you know, companies or whatever on my resume experience on my design resume, on my business resume, by the end of my life, that does not matter. I want to have people's names on my life resume Mm. as, you know, people that might, that I've impacted. 
And, and that was a huge perspective shift for me. So I think that what we do has to have a direct impact on people at a heart level. That's one way that we know that what we're doing is connected to the heart of our business or the heart of our mm -hmm. passion. Um, and so we have to be concerned about the people and not the purchase, right? Mm. Okay. So the next thing uh, is I believe that our work should be something that is fun, right? That is like a really essential thing. But uh, I think in our culture of like hustling, we think that we have to just like forego fun and just suffer. <laughs> but that's not sustainable. Like suffering is not sustainable, but fun is, right? John Acuff talks about this in his book, Finish. Like in order to finish a goal, one of the things that you can do is make your goal fun. Uh, I think that we should, we should enjoy doing uh, this thing that we're pursuing, whether or not it pays us. And uh, in the beginning, it won't pay you. That's why, <laughs> right? When you're starting something out, if you're starting a podcast, if you're writing a book, if you're launching a design agency or whatever you're trying to pursue, you're not going to make money in the beginning, right? And so what's going to sustain you? What's going to motivate you to show up, right? You have to love it. You have to enjoy it, okay? Especially when you have you know, the, the level of investment take, it takes to get successful, um, it will end up eventually compounding, right? All that you're investing uh, it, when you're consistent over time. Um, mm -hmm. But in order, in order to put in that level of commitment, you have to enjoy it, you know? So the next thing that I think is going to help us to connect with the heart of what we're doing and, and, take something we're pursuing and, and, and compare it to, you know, is this just a facet of what I'm meant to do? Is this a supporting character or is this the, the main plot of my story is it should be true to who you are. I believe that uh, we will be able to function at our highest capacity when the work we're doing is congruent with who we are as a person, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of things out there that work for a lot of different people that will not work for you. There are things that, um, will work for you that will not work for other people, right? And I think that we have to understand that what we have to offer is not for everyone, but it is for someone. It, our work has to be true to us. And so when we get lost when we start to cater to, to who we think we need to, to speak to, right? We get lost when we try to um, do what we think is expected of us, right? Versus understanding that if I am myself, that there are other people out there like me. That's and right. so I'm going to, I'm going to speak to those people and those people are going to hear my voice, even if nobody else does. Um, most of the times that I felt frustrated in my business um, or with something that I'm working on has been when I was trying to kind of force it, right? It's when I've been doing something that I felt like I was supposed to do. Oh, I'm supposed to do this kind of email marketing. I'm supposed to write my, you know, my copy in this specific way, you know, to hook, you know, I'm supposed to present myself in this certain way in order to be credible. And that has led to frustration because I, I didn't feel like it was true to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's important for us to express ourselves in that way. Um, even though like emulating people's great, use it as a starting point. We kind of got to try it out and see if yeah. it's really a good fit for you. Kind of yes. like trying it's appetizers, you know, you got to yes. try it and see, I mean, you, you were a runner in high school, but you mm -hmm. might've tried football or soccer or basketball. Mm -hmm. And you might've been like, Nope, Nope. I 
I don't really like it. You tried it for one season or whatever. So yeah. I know that this is something I deal with. And, and I, I think maybe this is something a lot of people deal with just feeling fractured. So either you're, you, you have your day job and then you have this side hustle or you have your business, but then you have this other product that you do. And so your time is split. And I, I think of this as like a fracturing, right? Yeah. Um, so I, owning a business for, uh, for me, I have a design business, but then I also have a business that really focuses on creative entrepreneurs also. Right. Yep. Um, and I do feel fractured in where I spend my time mm -hmm. and a one, do you ever feel like that? And then, um, yes or no. I'm smiling because it's yes. like every day of my life. Yes. Okay. And, and then you add kids on top of that and right it, the, there's another yep. fracture in, so it, yep. it can become very, um, but it's like when you are feel like you are meant to do something, you have to yeah. keep pushing forward. So then, um, when, you know, I guess this for me is I still practice design. I still have lots of clients and I yep, think for me, me to be able to reach, uh, creative entrepreneurs i also need to be dealing with clients and seeing what yeah. that is it's, for me as a teacher it's really important that i'm practicing design it's, it's this is a belief i have um so when does it switch from or is it is it is it the goal 50 50 front runners and 50 50 doing design work for clients or is there a is there some point where the majority of your work is going to be front runners and then you just pick certain clients or you right. let clients go? Yeah. Well, the, the, the easiest answer is in the long run, I would love to do front runners like 80, 90% of the time and design, you know, less just because that work is much more fulfilling. I've done design for a really long time. Um, the, the, the more in-depth answer is I think that balance is an illusion, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's a book out there called, I believe it's the one thing. And they talk about the illusion of balance. They, and they use the analogy of a, a, like a ballerina when a ballerina is on standing on point, they're actually constantly adjusting, right? Their balance. And that's what balance is like for us, like 50, 50 balance and, and, uh, compartmentalizing. I don't think that that actually exists. Um, at least it doesn't in my life. Uh, it's, it's a constant adjustment right? On a daily basis of evaluating, uh, what's important. And, um, it's comes down to priorities, right? And, uh, that makes your decisions really easy. I think that when this is a great time in our world right now, because we're thinking about priorities, right? There's a lot of things out there that seemed like they were high priorities. They're not priorities. And I think that we can probably list paper. on, yeah, I think high we can priority. list on our hand, the things that are actually a real like priority us in life and when you know what those things are like your core values or whatever then it makes decision making a lot simpler right so uh to answer your question about how i balance my businesses uh it right now like my my daily schedule looks like soup like it's just crazy it's all over the place like most of my work currently when i get it done i have a newborn baby strapped to my chest and i'm standing at our kitchen counter next to the dog bed because then i can have enough room to bounce and keep the baby asleep and i'll do that for sometimes it's 30 minutes sometimes it's two and a half hours you know depending on how long she sleeps and whether you know my wife is getting overwhelmed by our 18 month old and i and i'm a very very structured person i love daily structure i love like setting 
uh, you know, time frames for work and productivity. Like I am all throwing that out that. the window now. Boom, just like throw a bomb on it, right? So it's really challenged uh, challenged me in that sense of like, you know, how do I prioritize? You know, how do I manage my mental game? And I, for me, my number one priority is my family. And so for me, I my families, I don't ever view them as an obstacle for my goal. I view them as the reason for my goals, right? So it makes that decision making easier when it comes to work. Uh, how do I fit my work around that stuff? Um, in this season of life, they like they get the best of me. They get the first of me, right? And I believe that when I honor them, that the work that I'm doing is going to be honored too. Um, and so I, it does mean I have to pull up late nights a lot of the time. Sometimes I'll pull all nighters. Sometimes I'll just like, I'll, I've had days where I only was able to clock like an hour of work. And that to like the productivity obsessed person in me is just, it's painful. You know what I mean? A little bit of yourself. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm just crying about all the things I could have gotten done. But you know, you look at what you spent the time on instead. So how I allocate like my time with front runners, uh, it's kind of on pause right now, actually. Not really, but in terms of where I'm investing myself, right? Mm. And I had a conversation with my wife back in January or February of this year. I was so stressed out because I felt really guilty. I was like, I am trying to give what I need to do to build this design business because this is our foundation. This is our bread and butter right now. But I also feel like I, I am not able to give front runners what it needs to, to be in order to, to bloom into what I see it. Like I have the vision for it, but I can't give that. I was so frustrated and I felt really torn and I felt guilty, you know, that I wasn't able to do that. And long story short, at the end of our conversation, like I gave myself permission to say, it's okay that it's like this right now. Right. It's okay that I, that I, I can't give this everything that I need to right now. It doesn't mean that I'm abandoning my dream. It doesn't mean that I'm abandoning my passion or the people that it's meant to reach. It's the only person that feels that way is me. <laughs> and I had a conversation with a friend about that who's deeply passionate about music. And right now he has to focus on working a job to take care of his, his wife and his kid. And he felt like, you know, he was kind of like walking away from what he loves. And I was like, no, man, you're, you're doing awesome. You're being such a great man. Like that's what it takes is, is us to understand that there's these seasons where we're able to give more or less into certain things. So right now the allocation is probably like 98 two or 95 five but i think in the future you know then it'll shift more and i'll be able to have more time to you know create podcasts and, and write you know write more and publish more and you know i i had intention to like launch another book this year but you know you have to be adaptable and that's what makes yeah. us good entrepreneurs right? Mm, that's um, right but but we just we take that same skill that's made us good as a business person you apply that to your dream you know so one thing Finn says, I'm so glad you're here, Finn. It's good to see you, my friend Finn. Uh, she said, doing what we're expected to. Man, that expected E, yeah. right? Yikes. Yeah. Um, what we assume we have to and what we're often pressured to do, the more connected we are to our own individuality and, the the, and our source, the better we're able to stay in our path and do what's best for us. It's not easy to do, but we try. But I, I think that all of us kind of get yeah. in that. We get in that same road. Oh, we're supposed to, we get on that train with everybody else and we realize hey hey we're not supposed to be on this train i'm supposed to be doing something else and it feels so odd it feels so 
going against the grain. I know that there have been so many times where um, whatever it was, I felt really exposed when I said, you know what, I'm going to just do this because this is what's right for me. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it, um, Dustin's helped me so much in this, but he's like, Oh, you know, you just need to, you need to be you, Diane, or you need to bring yeah. your personality in there. And then, and it's, it can be really like, Oh, but what if people don't like it? Right. But it's really yeah. about refining. It's about the yeah. getting that the cotton seeds out of the cotton. Nobody wants to wear a shirt with these big old honking seeds in it. Right. So what they, what we do is we take out, but it takes time to take out that, that seed. and. I just, I, I love what you said. I love how she started with the word expect, right? That yeah. we are expected to do. And it's what we've, we see, what we yeah. think we're expected to do. But sometimes we have to be like, you know what? This is, this is not my path. And I do think, Jose said earlier, we have to test it. Or Andre, yeah. one of them said that, um, that we have to test what we're doing. And you have to see if it actually is working. Well, uh, this just goes yeah. to show that me usually when Nathaniel and I talk, it's like two hours. So people, I'm not going to keep you for two hours. We'll just have to do a part two. We already talked about that this would be that like that. But I think it's when you feel uncomfortable and like you're being exposed is when you need to lean in because there may be people who, it, I always think about it, people on a fence. If somebody's riding that fence, I don't know if they're on my team or if they're on the other team. I don't know if I can trust them or if I can't. I don't want people to say, and I really do, I worry about this a little bit, I guess, because I probably don't take enough of a stand maybe, or I feel like I don't take enough of a stand because I try to be nice. But maybe that's my stand, niceness and energy. I don't know. (laughs) But is that, you know, I'm not confrontational enough. But I also believe that there's something just about encouraging other people and it's it's good to be yeah. nice and it's good yes. to give direction. I feel like in class, I'm very clear and there is definitely, I am not on a fence in class, but sometimes I worry that somebody be, would be like, mm, yeah, you know, I don't know how to trust Diane. She's always on the fence. Mm. I guess it's what, I, what I'm saying is it's not, it's what you expect of yourself. And I know that yeah. there have been times when Ashley, I've said, Ashley, I don't know if I want to keep doing the podcast. This was after I'd finished the five year. Cause Lord, if I make a commitment, I make a commitment. I am a commitment queen, I guess. Um, so the, she said, but Diane, is it still doing something for you? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, well, what do you feel like when you get off a call? And not that it's for me, it, and but what I'm saying, if it was just me and Nathaniel, that I would I get something out of today for sure. But I also feel the reason I do it isn't just for me to feel better. The reason I share it like this, there's two reasons I do this. One is that I think what you are telling us has value and it brings people, it brings us together. Everybody who's here live, we're able to feel like we're connecting. So that's another really important part of Design Recharge. Design Recharge is never not live. I always record them live because it brings another level to it. It does make it so yeah. that it's easier for me to mess up and whatever. And that's why it doesn't always so super polished and with the it's intro charming. outro music, right? Charming. That's my mom will be like, mm. she said, he said it was charming, Diane. You know what that means. No, I'm just kidding. She won't really say this. She'll be like, he was so nice. <clears throat> but 
but what's important is not the polish to me. What the, nope. It's important is that you're giving us hope. You're saying, hey, I'm right there with you. And it's example after example after example. Yeah. And I just think we need to be together, right? Yeah. Even before the COVID stuff, I felt like we needed to be together. And I'm super thankful that we can be. Um, I, I, just, I just want, I, to me, I love that there's so much. Um, and Maria said, she's like, grace, you have to give yourself grace when it's 95% yeah. family, 5% work, right? But you yeah. still need to make money right? There's yep. still that, and there's still that heavy part, heavy burden. But when yeah. you think about one of the things you wanted to provide was ha having time for you and yeah. your family. Yeah. Well, now there's time, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and we didn't get through any of these questions, but um, we got through three. We'll have That's to do part two. Yeah. Part two and part episode. three, because there'll have to be, I'm just kidding. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a couple more. Yeah. Um, couple more so yeah we'll, we'll save the other meat so number four five and six is gonna be uh <laughs> in, a multi-volume set yeah right so one of the questions i ask everybody is so in this in this time a covid time or just new parent time so andre the the dad andre he was here and he had to go but you know, when you have a newborn, and I think Maria probably can uh, attest to this, she's working, she's working late at night because she's taking care of the kids and, you know, everybody's, everybody's oh, living yeah. a new normal right now. But when you have a baby and you have another baby and it, it, you just, it's not the same. So even if there was no COVID, you would still have weirdness because it's oh, yeah. a new baby, right? So how do you recharge in that? in that space? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I've used the analogy that it's kind of like when you, ha you have a baby, it's pretty crazy because you take everything that was normal for you and you shake it up. It's not like getting a dog. We have a dog. He was our fur baby for a while, but like when you get a dog, you add a dog into your life. But when you get a baby, it's like you, you blow up everything you previously had and then you build your life around this child, right? And then when you have a second baby, it's like that but compounded because then you have no margin, right? When there's one kid, you can tag team it, right? And there's a little bit of time margin for like one- The dog's not do helping out? Need... Nah, man. Well, no, nah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, but when you have a second kid, there's no margin because one of you has a child at like any given point in time, right? Dave Koch, and he has twins and a son. So, oh. right? Twin girls and a son. So, whew. Bless your heart, right? <laughs> that you guys say in the South, bless your heart. Um, uh, so, so how do I recharge? Mm -hmm. it because isn't in, that, that's it really hard. It's, yeah, it's different than it used to, right? So I used to love taking two hours in the morning, an hour and a half journaling and like, like getting really introspective. So it's just different. It shifts. So now what I do in the morning, this is one thing that really recharges me. I go on a walk with the dog, which number one needs to get done anyways. And number two, my son wakes up really early. So I take him on the walk too in a stroller. And so I'm, I'm, I have to stack things, right? And I, on that walk, I will, um, I'll say my prayers in the morning. I'll do affirmations. I'll just like breathe, fre breathe fresh air. I'll be, you know, thankful and, and grateful. Sometimes I'll like do Marco Polos or I'll send encouraging messages to people or I'll, um, 
you know, I'll use that time to listen to like a podcast or, or a book. To me, that's my me time, even though I'm like stacking it up, right? So you kind of have to do that when, when you don't really have those big margins of time. And this is kind of a concept from um, Atomic Habits uh, by James Clear. Such an amazing book. Oh my gosh, read that book. Amazing. He calls it habit stacking, right? That if you're trying to add some, you're trying to do a new habit, you're trying to add something in that you like, you don't normally have time for, you combine it with something that you already do consistently. So every single day, I know the dog needs to go out, right? Every single day, my son is awake early in the morning. So I'm stacking those two things and I'm adding on the things that fill me up uh, mm -hmm. in that same time. So that's one example. Uh, and then another example is like, I, uh, little tiny moments of connection, right? Mm -hmm. Me and my wife, like, we're lucky if we get to like hug each other without a baby in our hands by like 8 p.m., you know, or a lot of times, even though we're in the same house, we'll be like, hi, you know? So like stopping, even if it's a couple seconds, right? Or stopping and taking a couple breaths um, and doing at least one little thing that's for, for me, um, it, it definitely recharges me for sure. All right. So what would be your takeaways? Is it that it's about people, not the purchase? I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. That's good. Is it yeah. about fun, finding fun, even when it might be something that we're suffering through? I always think I don't yeah. like to unload the dishwasher. Clearly, John does not like to unload the dishwasher because <laughs> he clearly never does it. But I have now made it into a game and I try to get it all done in yeah. two minutes. So I nice. have the timer and I'm like, if I can get this done in two minutes, this actually could be kind of fun. I like to compete against myself. Yeah. And then the number three was being true to who you are. But was that what you think your takeaways are or what, what do you think? Those, it... Yeah, those are part of it. So this is the, I'm going to give you another analogy. I once had okay. a mentor tell me that some things are necessary, but they're not sufficient. And he used the, the analogy of baking a cake. Eggs are necessary, flour is necessary, sugar is necessary, but it's not sufficient enough to have those things on their own without the other things. So all of these things are necessary, but it's the combination and application of all these concepts that, that really helps us to, to hone in on what, on what we love, right? And it's when, we, when we're putting these things into practice, it allows us to triangulate what the heart is. When you experiment on five different things, it allows you to triangulate where's the commonality, right? Mm. Right? What, if you try an online course, you know, maybe the thing that you get out of that is that you love, you love talking more than actually making the course. So maybe a podcast is better for you, right? Or maybe uh, you love writing blogs and then that leads to you writing books, right? So you use these experiments to triangulate. And I think maybe that's kind of how you find the heart is yes, all of those different points that I shared that you listed off, those are kind of like tools. Those are, uh, those are little pins on your map that when you see the intersection of all these different things, that knowing your priorities and experimenting with all these different things, it allows you to really kind of find, find the, the heart of everything. It's also really having time to reflect, not just blazing yeah. through, right. right? You have to come back and take, um, take a breath and yes. chew your food, right? Yes. Or, um, <clears throat> yeah, you've got to be self-aware. You got to, you got to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Um, you know, what is this doing for me? You know, what are my motivations right now? Uh, a lot of the times I'll like to challenge myself, say, am I being more motivated to do this by fear or by insecurity 
or by trying to prove myself? Am I more motivated by those things than I am by the passion that originally sparked it? That's a good kind of gut check for me. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that you're not only just testing your gut. I actually think that's really important. You're testing, how does this feel long-term? You are check, checking some numbers, but mm-hmm. what's important to you, you decide, you know, if numbers was important, yeah. then you, it, it's based on something. It's not just, yeah. I want a million followers. It's that I want people that are engaged or I want to t- change lives is really, yeah. I think one of your like, if yeah. it's, if it's changing five people's lives, that's yeah. way more valuable than 800 people being on an email list that don't open the email. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the quality of what we're doing that matters. Right. Yeah. Because imagine that if you're, if you're one of those people that I'll, that were on your list, like what I unsubscribe from my own list, Yeah. you know, now, I'm, am I taking care of people? Mm-hmm. Right. That's why I'm starting. Everybody says they want to help people, but do we really want to help people? Right. Because if we did, then our actions would reflect that or, or the intention of what we're doing would reflect that. We'd be less worried about how we look on camera or how we sound on audio or how, you know, whether we A-B tested a, a email headline, right? We'd be less worried about that. We'd be more worried about, you know, what problems are people dealing with? You know, like, is this person dealing with suicide or depression, right? Can this person put food on the table for their kids, Right real life human being stuff. I think if we think about that and we view people as, as the human beings that they are with feelings and emotions and fears and dreams and hopes, then that will inform what we do. And that can help us really do what we do in a, in a way that's meaningful. I love that. All right. So we'll have to do a part two. I will schedule it and we will get it back. In. I just want to let you guys know next week is my friend Jeffy Thomas and Jeffy has just finished a 365 drawing project and it revolutionized what he was doing. I always think that these are really big challenges. These when somebody does, I mean, I did a hundred day drawing project and I don't even think I draw, drew all a hundred days. I drew almost all of a hundred days, but there were there were a couple that I just didn't get to. It did help. It totally helped me. It pushed me. It made me not um, so self-conscious and I just made marks some days, right? But what does a 365 project do? And he went from being digital to going back to, he was always um, analog. And then he went, he got an iPad. So he went to, to digital and then he went back to analog because there was a time in there where he was like, no, I got to go back. I got to, I got to go back to analog. What it, so I think it's like, you're talking about that triangulation is seeing where it fits and what does yes. resonate. And, and, you know, I, I just think that it's a really a neat that we need to test ourselves, but I think it's that we need to have that bird's eye view sometimes yes. and come back and not just see if it was successful. Did it make money? Did people like it? Whatever. But what did it do for us and how yes. is that changing? And it, it really is about the relationships that we're making. And I think even when you're doing a 365 project, you are making relationships online with other people. Yeah. And if you are doing a 365 project, but you don't have time to respond back to those people, then maybe it's not a good 365 project. So maybe that's another aspect of the 365 project. I've got questions for Jeffy. I hope you guys will be here next week. 
to do it, but I want to make sure that you guys know how. I know I put it in the very beginning. It will be underneath if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on whatever, wherever you get your podcast. It's in the description if you can't remember how to spell some of these things, but I'm going to put them in there. So Nathaniel spells his name N-A-T-H-A-N-A-E-L Clanton, C-L-A-N-T-O-N.com. It's all one word. Yep. And then you can follow him on Instagram and on Instagram as um, at front runners with an S life. Yep. Okay. And at Nathaniel just like I, I told you to spell it, but with a dot in between Nathaniel and Clanton. And then you can also go to Front Runner's Life and you can sign up for his podcast, um, yep. sign up for, for the newsletter. You're going to get lots of things. If you want to get his book, Step Zero, it is also there. There's lots of other yummy goodies in that as well. So frontrunners.life and yep. nathanielclanton.com. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's where it all lives. And uh, yeah, I'll continue to uh, bring new things out in the future. Um, I would love for you guys to subscribe to the podcast. There's lots of amazing stories of people who are just like you. Uh, that's really what it's focused on. We talk about real life stuff, real life stuff, no sugarcoating stuff. Uh, there's lots of really practical, uh, but also heart things in there. I think you guys will love it. And uh, yeah, for the subscribers, you want to just like jump right to subscribing, just frontrunners.life slash subscribe, and that'll get you there in a hot second. Awesome. Thank you Daniel, so much, Diane. Thank you so much. And just thank you for being joyful. Thank you for yeah. being positive. You really, he really is like this, like for real, this is how he <laughs> is. This isn't like a fake smile he's plastered on. Um, he is very joyful and things are not always perfect. And so I no. think that that's a really good example of the daily decision. Mm -hmm, for sure. Anyway, I appreciate you being Thank vulnerable you. and I appreciate you sharing. And I really like just the going back and seeing what is connecting all the things that I'm experimenting with and yeah. seeing how it's working and seeing what it is, what is working. So I appreciate you. I thank you. And guys, we will see you next week. And the commercials are going to be next if you're listening on YouTube. <laughs> Hey everybody, thanks so much for watching and listening or wherever it is. Just so you know, all these links that I'm about to say are right under here. The Power Station is the mastermind group that I lead and it closes, doors close on Monday. The next one starts. The Thursday night group's already full, but the Monday group is during the day and it's not full yet. I'd love to see you apply. So at Recharging You, we know that you want to be a focused, confident entrepreneur with clear direction. And in order to do that, you need to get out of your own head and learn from other creative entrepreneurs. The problem is that you're a solopreneur with limited knowledge and experience on what your next steps need to be. And it makes you feel uncertain and alone. We believe every entrepreneur should be supported, challenged, and encouraged as they grow their business. I understand how overwhelming and demanding building a creative business can be because I've been growing my business for 17 years. Here's how the group works. I listen carefully to your goals and struggles. And then I work with you to unlock patterns and opportunities. And then I walk with you through this transformation and help you reach your business goals and a couple of personal goals at the same time. So why don't you apply now? You can stop being stuck and doubting your value and your decisions and instead start seeing growth in your mindset and in your business. So apply today in the links below at rechargingyou.com slash power station. It's a small group mastermind that meets on Mondays 
at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. I hope you join us. And I'll see you next week with my friend Jeffy Thomas. And I hope you apply. See y'all next week.